0: Hi, I'm Jason Lewis. And I'm Todd DeShida. Welcome to Climate Optimist. On today's episode, we'll be looking at our progress, converting our power sector to renewable energy, and what it's going to take to phase out fossil fuels by 2035. To help us explore the topic, we've asked Roby Roberts to join us. Roby's a government affairs and energy policy consultant, who over his career has worked with some of the biggest renewable energy players, including Vestas, Avant Grid, and EDP Renewables. But before we go there, um want to cover some of why this is relevant to, to talk about renewables right now. Is it because it's been so hot in Portland this summer and we need a break?
1: It could be. What's relevant to me right now is that my allergies suck. <laughs> I don't know what happened in the last day. I feel like I've just exploded. I mean, that could be that you're just weak, but I... Well, it probably is. I mean, that's, always, that's a consistent thing, whether I have allergies or not. But <laughs> speaking of, of heat, though, it's been hot this summer, and I haven't done anything that I wanted to do. And some of it I blame on the heat, but it's really not fair because I complain about it being cold and rainy all year long. I mean, And isn't then that it gets part hot, of being? and then I complain about it being hot.
0: I feel like that's part of being a Portlander, is that you complain about the weather no matter what it is.
1: You should tell my wife that, because she thinks it's just me. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of heat, though, if you take all the other summers aside, this summer's been pretty extraordinary. We just, you could call it second heat wave, but it really kind of didn't turn out to be, I don't think the heat wave, it's hot for Portland, don't get me wrong, but compared to the first one, it wasn't as bad. I think maybe the smoke came in too and saved us a little bit, to be honest, it's weird to say that, because... We obviously have the other problem that we have here in the Pacific Northwest now which is wildfire, wildfire smoke. smoke. but I think it I think it did cool the temperatures down for us a little bit. But I'll tell you <laughs> that first heat wave was something else. What did it get up to here as 113 or 115 or I can't remember. I think
0: I think the the record temperature in the Portland metro area was 116 degrees
1: and the previous record was 108. And I mean, 108 here is scorching. If you would have told me at the beginning of summer it was going to reach 108, I'd be like, "You're nuts." So,
0: with that segue, the good news is there are Senate Democrats working on a 3.5 trillion dollar infrastructure blueprint, and part of that blueprint is the main pillar is trying to address climate change. This is separate from the you know bipartisan infrastructure plan that passed the Senate you know, earlier in the year Biden had proposed using a clean energy standard for decarbonizing the power sector. Now it's really going to be up to those Senate Democrats to decide what are the appropriate mechanisms. And, you know, there's all the rules that govern reconciliation. So this question of like what's even viable. But hmm. fingers crossed, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about as sort of positives in that initial Biden plan will hopefully make it into this this latest infrastructure bill.
1: Yeah, I hope, you know, that they can pull it off. I don't know if we want to take any bets on that, but <laughs> hopefully, you know, they can pull it off. I mean, we have to. I,
0: I don't see any other choice at this point. And given that, it's it's timely to be discussing renewable energy and kind of our transition there. You've know, got this, regardless of the mechanisms, this bold goal of carbon neutral in the power sector by 2035. And that's really where we're looking for Roby to help demystify things for us.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm excited about that.
0: Welcome to the show, Roby. Hey,
2: thank you uh, for inviting me. I'm I'm excited to have this conversation.
0: So why don't we start with Biden's target of decarbonizing the power sector by 2035. Do you have any thoughts on the feasibility or what it's going to take to get us there?
2: Well, the first thing is this infrastructure package that Congress is looking at. I mean, we have our electric system was basically created two centuries ago during the Industrial Revolution. And it's been an extraordinary machine and it's worked brilliantly, but it it has suffered like almost everything that we've done in the US from lack of investment basically since the 60s and 70s so we need a vigorous investment in the energy sector uh, infrastructure side you know biggest thing is transmission upgrades distribution line upgrades how we regulate the energy system etc and This current infrastructure bill that's being pushed in Congress goes a long way. It doesn't do everything. It doesn't do enough. But it goes a long way to making a fast down payment on what we need to do.
0: Yeah, and I guess fast is a key word here when we're talking about the timeline that we're on.
2: Right. I mean, listen, you know, the good news that I I think you have to keep in mind is we have the technology, wind, solar, storage hydro is inexpensive it is cost competitive we have the technologies on the electric sector side to address climate change and not only do we have those technologies they are in the most part as cheap or cheaper than fossil and traditional technologies and the prices are continuing to drop so the good news is we can do almost everything we need to do what we need to do is to start today. We don't have 10 years to sort of figure out what in the long run is necessary so we perfectly understand all the different issues. What we need to do is get started now. This year has been huge. 2020 has been huge for clean energy. It's been a record year. Over 30,000 megawatts of wind and solar have been installed in the US in 2020, But that is just a down payment. We need to do that year in and year out till 2035, and we also, in the last five or six years, have to double and triple that amount. So we have a massive job ahead of us. But again, and I, I, I try—I mean, you know—listen, if you live in in the Northwest and see what those temperatures look like, if you live in Germany and see those floods, climate is is, is impacting us now. We do not have the time to continue debate nuances in general we can make a huge down payment today existing technology is cheaper or equal in price as the generating technologies traditional coal gas and oil it will create more jobs and it is cheaper than the path we're on those are all huge statements and they're true
0: and that's a good point. The jobs piece is another real benefit of this transition. Is it an increase in the jobs that are needed to take care of a given megawatt of, of wind and solar? Or when we're talking about jobs, are we talking about the increase in manufacturing jobs or construction jobs? Or even the build out of all this infrastructure that we're going to need on the transmission and distribution side?
2: Well, it, it's sort of all of the above. Certainly, there are a number of jobs in, in coal and gas and nuclear, and they've been around a long time, and they're well-paying jobs. And renewables are different. I mean, we have a huge infrastructure investment that needs to be made. We really need to upgrade the grid, both at the local level and the big transmission and the distribution in, within cities. need a complete overhaul and investment and that's big. And wind, has, wind and solar have a tendency to have lots of construction jobs, but they're not as many op, uh, operation jobs as, as you do sort of a central station coal and gas and oil plants. But the amount that we're talking, the amount that we need to do, will offset that greatly. Plus there's lots of manufacturing jobs that needed. So through infrastructure manufacturing and operation and construction, there are more jobs high-paying jobs, good jobs, that clean energy will provide.
0: So you've mentioned the need to modernize our grid infrastructure. I'm wondering if you can give folks some more context in terms of what that actually means. Are we, are we talking about replacing segments that are wearing out, adding additional transmission capacity, or are we talking about better integrating regional systems, given what happened in Texas earlier this year with the cold snap? The
2: answer is we basically created a very reliable system that its sort of backbone or design concept was created over 100 years ago, and we need to modernize that. The old energy system is carbon-based. It is not necessarily efficient and isn't it doesn't use modern technology to the level that we need. The new grid needs to be efficient, it needs to be low carbon, and it needs to be smart. And so we basically need to turn over the past to the new age infrastructure. And, and that's true in almost every industry. And what we've really done is we've just sort of added, fixed, and passed things up, and we don't have the proper... Uh, regulatory regimes, etc., and we need to sort of step back, incrementally modernize all those systems so we can engage the future. If we do that, we will create a less expensive, low carbon future that we need. It doesn't, a lot of these things that we need to do, many of them are regulatory, they will require a lot of investments, but those can be done over time, and the generators. It's basically you're creating loans. As you generate electricity with the new energy system, you can start paying this back. So a percentage of the generation will pay for the system over time. So basically, you're creating a revolving fund to pay society back and the investments that you make.
0: I mean, I get excited hearing you talk about this transformation. I know I'm a bit of an energy nerd, but you know the fact that we have the technologies we need, Wind and solar are cost competitive, and that there's economic benefits in addition to the environmental one.
2: Well, the light at the end of the tunnel is pretty good. I mean, you can get your mind around. We really have the technology to do most of this. We have to do things at a scale that almost everything needs to be done. I mean, you know, there's we are past the point of not needing carbon capture and sequestration. Do we need to do that today? No what we need to do is deploy, deploy, deploy. We need to build wind, solar, put storage in, do offshore, uh, do microgrids, do a lot more efficiency. We need to do all that stuff right now. And some of those other things, as is, and it's going to take years to get there, but we can't be paralyzed by the complexities of the future. The stuff we have today works and we need to deploy. And if we do deploy, We will create lots of jobs, and we will slow climate, and and that is good news. That's something you've got to be optimistic because it's one of those things. Is gosh, we have made these technology investments, and they are working.
0: Well, and it it sounds like based on your earlier comment that what we really need to do here is avoid perfect being the enemy of good enough. I mean, the clock is ticking sure, we're going to learn along the way and we need to be mindful of the complexity, but let's not sit back and wait. We got to get this done.
2: We, we have to. And you, there's been plenty of standings and lots of engineering that have been peer reviewed and experts agree we can do this. Now, should we get rid of all gas today? No, we're going to need to use gas to help firm and shape and make the grid work. But we should not be using gas as base load generation. We shouldn't waste gas. We should use renewables. We should be efficient. We should use smart technologies. And we should use gas only when we need it, not as a commodity. You can't solve climate by burning fossil fuels. You've got to leave them in the ground. The days of cheap commodity price gas in a climate regime makes no sense. Gas should be used only when it's needed, but it, but the gas producers need to be appropriately paid for their product. But it cannot and should not be a commodity that we waste because we can't get to climate if we continue to release carbon. Can't
0: do it. Before we wrap up today, I'm wondering if you can provide folks at least some high-level numbers to give context in terms of where we sit in this Transition to renewables. When we're talking about cost competitiveness with fossil fuels, what are the actual dollars and cents?
2: Well, the interesting thing, I mean, as in 2020, about 44 percent of new generation was wind. That's huge. About 32 was solar, and about 22 was gas. And that's you know not a bad mix. I mean, we've made big progress. And that was in 2020, but we have a long way to go. Right now. Electric generation in the u s is about forty percent gas, about twenty percent coal, about twenty percent nuclear, and about twenty percent renewables, which is hydro and wind and solar. So we really have to flip those numbers and gas and coal have to be way less, and renewables have to be way more last year was a good down payment, but we have to do more, and we have to continue that trend uh, Another thing you got to think about is pricing has been An extraordinary success story. I mean, worldwide, uh, you see wind and solar and storage combined working together is the cheapest form of new energy. It's cost competitive with gas. Coal doesn't come close. You know, if you look at uh, unsubsidized gas in a combined cycle, modern generation is about, you know, three cents to eight cents a kilowatt hour. Wind is three to eight cents, almost the same, and solar is a little bit cheaper, that is absolutely astounding that we've come that far. And we see storage prices halving in the past few years. So interestingly enough, the technology is about where you want it. And one of the big reasons, there's sort of two big reasons. One, sort of R&D, the technology is getting better, partially because we've done research but we've done lots of manufacturing and we developed supply chain. And so we've gotten smarter about this. So we've had a run at doing really scale manufacturing. And the prices have come down. Like, wind prices in the past 10 years have come down like 80%. And, and solar is even
0: higher. And storage is even higher than that.
2: Gas prices have also come down
0: too, but not nearly that much. So again, you know. I mean, that's amazing when you think about where we started.
2: It is extraordinary. And, you know, listen, it is depressing to see 120 degree temperatures on the West Coast of the United States. It is is hard to get up in the morning at times. But then I think about how much progress we've made on the electric generation side. We do have some answers. We've got to sort of push our regulators and political leaders to move today. And that's sort of why some of the work that you're doing is so important. It really needs to become not a second-tier issue, but a first-tier issue. We need to tell our leaders at the state, federal, and our regulators that we need to make a huge town payment on the zero-carbon uh, electric system of the future today. We can't wait.
0: Well, thanks, Roby. I I appreciate the outlook and all the detail. And despite the scorching heat that we've had here in the Northwest this summer, it does make you feel good knowing that the solution to such a big challenge is right here in front of us today.
2: It's nice in a in a world that has so much complexity to know that there's a path forward. And that's a, that's a, that is a good thought. And it's one of the things that keeps me going. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And I have seen that almost all our predictions have been correct. We have said this could happen, and it is.
0: Well, I appreciate your time, and thanks for being willing to come and share your thoughts.
2: Well, thank you for your leadership. The work that you're doing is really important, and we need to move to societal level of commitment to this. And it takes bunches of people saying, we care, and letting our leaders know.
0: So listen to that interview, Todd. What do you think?
1: Well, I was really impressed that you know someone that is that intelligent. (laughs) Thanks for the nod. Uh, But seriously, though, it was cool to listen to someone who obviously knows a lot about these topics and is a really good speaker and knows how to break this down into the essential points. I mean, he was just a a really great guest. Now, I guess I've sort of (laughs) talked him up as much as I should, but about what he said there's a lot of hope in what he ta- the way he talks about this which i think is important uh, Totally. because it's easy to just say oh we're done for you know we're we're screwed but the way he talks about it was just awesome and he has a lot of information on these are the things we got to do right now and what's but go- what the good news is that they're possible we can do them right right the technology's on the table yeah it's there and, you know, the, one of the things that surprised me was when he started talking about the cost of the different power sources, you know, the the renewables versus, you know, our traditional sort of carbon-based power generation, and that they're competitive or even less. Because, you know, that's one of the biggest things from, you know, the folks who really don't want to do this stuff is they don't feel like it's viable, it can't be done, it's too expensive, the return's not good enough. Right. and kind of really shoots all that down. Yeah, he basically just
0: blows a hole in all the bullshit fossil fuel lobbyist talking points. And, yeah, and demonstrates that, like, you know, we're at a point where it's truly cost competitive. It's not like, well, we, this is better for the environment, and so we should do this. It's It's at a point where even if you are just focused on dollars and cents,
1: it makes sense. Yeah. I like he uses the word deploy. We need to deploy <laughs> now.
0: I mean, if there was a person who could be a motivational speaker for renewable energy, it, it would be Roby.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's very honest, too, though, about, you know, one of the, he mentioned kind of the jobs thing and, and how that'll be different. You know, him talking about gas. I think people, when they think about environmentalists, they think like we're all, you know, in a hammock up in a tree, like talking about <laughs> gas is the devil or whatever, you know. And he's like, you know, gas has its place, but... We should use it for these purposes, and then those people should be compensated adequately, though. Right. Not like we're going to put gas out of business. You know what I mean? It's it's. Well, he's he, a he's trying to use it all, yeah, in, in, a, in a real sense, saying that you know, gas isn't just going to completely disappear, but we should try to use it sparingly and leave as much of it in the ground as we can.
0: For sure, I think his point about using it really just where we need it to firm up renewables is is the key point. You know, I think this all leads to. The question that we try to answer on these these pods is like, well, what can we do? Right. And I would sort of frame it as like there's kind of the urgent action, which is calling your member of Congress. It's not sexy. It feels awkward. It feels like it's hard, but we all need to do it. And we need to be telling them that it's part of this three point five trillion dollar package that we need to put a price on carbon. And we need to continue all of those existing renewable energy tax breaks so that you've got, you've got the carrot and you've got the stick and together, you know, hopefully it leads to that year after year increase in deployment that, that Robby was talking about. And then the second, you know, the second action that is something we can each do in our own lives is if your utility offers a voluntary renewables program, you should sign up for it. They're a little bit more expensive, but there's value in that and, you know, helps drive further acquisitions of renewables. And so, you know, if you're looking for an easy thing to do in sort of your personal life, you know, sign up. Yeah. You're signed up, right?
1: I am signed up. And I don't, I don't know that I've, of course, I don't think I pay the bill. So, but I... (laughs) I haven't noticed like some huge difference, but it feels good knowing that you've at least done some of your part to try to support renewable energy on your the grid that you're on.
0: Totally. And if you buy that EV, you can have peace of mind that you're filling it with power that comes from renewable sources.
1: Exactly.
0: We've got it all figured out for you. So, with that, we'll we'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for tuning in and come back next week for more climate solutions, reason for hope, and ways each of us can make a difference. Climate Optimus is made possible by Climate Stewards Collective. You can find us on the web at climateoptimus.co. That's climateoptimus.co. Follow us on social at Climate Stewards Collective.